And hello, everybody! Welcome to Japanatron! As you may have guessed, Japanatron is a show about Japan, about living in Japan, Japanese culture, all that good stuff. My name is Dave Pavlina. I'm your host. Let's jump right into it. Uh, today's topic is called Reflections on Life in the Countryside. Now, I used to live in the countryside because I thought, you know, if you really want the real Japanese experience, you shouldn't move to the big city. You know, to get the real feel for what a country is all about, you gotta live out in the sticks, live out in the countryside. And, you know, my hometown being L.A., that's a pretty big-ass city, so... I figured, eh, I go to, from L.A. to Tokyo, it's pretty much the same shit, you know? Because, you know, big cities have this way of just breeding assholes, you know? Because you put a bunch of people, you cram them all together in a small space, and they're bound to get all pissed off at each other. Because, you know, people, people want space, damn it. And a city just takes all that away from you. True, you know, big cities have all the convenience, you know, the 24-7, this and that. But, you know, big cities is pretty much where all the assholes congregate. Well, it's not really where they congregate, it's where they're bred. You know, because I'm sure very nice people... You know, I used to be a nice guy. And then uh, the big city just turned me into a big fucking asshole. So anyways, (laughs) I digress. From L.A., I decided to move to the countryside. And the question was where. So, you know, I quit my uh, my IT job in L.A. And I was uh, looking for an English teaching job. Because pr- pretty much, if you want to live in the countryside of Japan, that's just about your only option. You know, I'm sure there's a few other lesser known options. But that's your main, that's your main one, is, uh, is um, doing the English teaching thing. And, you know, the real popular approach is to do the JET program. You know, you make you make pretty good money, better than the uh, the Aikaiwas, the uh, English conversation schools. Um, but I decided not to do that. I did I did the uh, English conversation school. I did Eon. And uh, if you're looking into this, um, I'm sure everyone's told you don't do Nova. Nova means no vacation. And I heard the same things. This was back in like 2003. You know, don't don't do Nova. Don't do Nova. It sucks. So I didn't bother with that. I just skipped right over that one. The other one I heard uh, not so good things about was Geos. And I really didn't hear anything concrete about them, so I can't really say if they're really bad or not. I just, a few people told me, ah, Geos isn't so good either, so I just kind of skipped that one. The good ones I heard were ECC and Eon, and I applied to both. And I got both. Um, And I went with Eon for the simple reason that... ECC was going to have me float to many different schools, whereas Eon uh, has you in one school. And I kind of like that approach better because, you know, you get to know people and you get kind of a, a better uh, relationship with your students and your coworkers. Anyways, they offered me uh, Toltori. And I'm like, where the fuck is that? <laughs> I never heard of the place. 
But the, you know, the name sounded kind of cool. And I wasn't expecting to hear of any place they were going to offer me, because I'm not like, you know, a, a Japan uh, geographical expert. <laughs> so I had to look it up. You know, I was Googling it. It's, uh, it's the most countryside by population. It has fewer people than Okinawa. At the time, it had about 650,000 in the whole prefecture. It's between Hyogo Prefecture and uh, Shimane Prefecture. Uh, basically, if you go to Osaka, which is on the Pacific Ocean side, you just cut straight across Japan to the uh, Japan seaside, the China seaside, depending on what you're, who you're talking to, uh, the other side of Japan, uh, that's Toltori. And they offered me Toltori City. Which is actually another advantage of the uh, the English conversation schools. If you're in the countryside with those, you usually get the kind of the city at least. With the jet program, they will stick you way the fuck out there. Um, and um, I, I had some people I knew in the jet program, and they were. I mean, it was like a fucking rice field with their house in the middle of it. I mean, that's really countryside. My, it, with the English conversation schools, uh, it's countryside, but you're pretty much stuck in the, they pretty much put them in the population centers, at least. And um, so it wasn't only, you know, the other, the other reasons I went with the English conversation schools was, um, let's see, with the JET program, you're teaching not necessarily kids that want to learn English. You get some douchebag high school boys that don't want to be there. You're teaching a class of 30. Ah, you know, you're going to get some pretty, you know, poorly motivated classes. Eon's expensive. The English conversation schools are expensive. So uh, most people are really motivated because they're paying a lot of money for it. You may get an, the occasional high school kid where the parents are making them go, but that was pretty rare because... Um, Usually the Japanese uh, teachers would get them because they'd be pretty low level. The kids you get would be pretty high level uh, because they'd, they'd have to be good enough to understand a class 100% in English and uh, follow along. So they'd be kind of, you know, intermediate to advanced usually. Um, why, did I, uh, why did I go with Toltori? Well, you know, it was offered to me. Um, and it seemed cool, it, you know, it had the, I checked into it, it's like 150,000, that's big enough. It's it's on the beach, and it has a nice, uh, like, it's famous for the sand dune. You know, and I love Japan, because each prefecture is famous for something, and it's usually always food. And it was like, Toltori's famous things are the crab and pears, they're 20th century round pears. So I'm like, oh, that's cool, man, that's a good feeling. You know, I saw some pictures... You know, the thing is, any place was going to be fine, because really, you're not going to know how good or bad it is until you're really there. And by then, it's too late anyway. So, um, I was thinking, uh, probably a, f a few of my listeners maybe want to hear a lot about Eon, you know, and the experience of working at the Eikaiwa. I'm thinking of covering that in another episode. Uh, today, I'm going to basically try to focus on life as it was in Toltori, daily life. Um, I will touch a little bit on the experience of the English school, but I'm thinking maybe I'll just wrap that into another episode, um, if anyone's interested, because I'm sure a lot of uh, Westerners are interested in, in the whole experience of uh, teaching at an English conversation school. It's such a popular way of getting over to Japan. Um, daily life. I want to make a few points here. Um, and if you've been to Tokyo, or if you've been to Japan at all, you know, foreigners stand out. 
you get you get like a what 150 million in Japan, and I think it's only one million of those are foreigners actually living here. And you have to you have to also remember that the majority of those one million foreigners are of Asian descent. So for a Westerner to live here, you do stand out. In Tokyo, you don't get stared at so much because it's a city of like 13 million. It's pretty cosmo, and you know people are are used to it. But when you live out in the countryside, you're gonna get stared at. You're you're gonna stand out a lot more. And you know what? I don't even blame them for it, <laughs> because let me tell you. Months would go by, and I would not see another foreigner, except for the uh, other teacher I had at Eon, you know, but that doesn't really count, because I see him at work anyway. Months would go by, and I'd see another foreigner, and I'd be like, the fuck is this? This is my fucking town. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't really blame him. Even to me, I stand out. I look in the mirror, I'm like, fuck, man, I stand out here. Uh, so, I don't know, for that kind of percentage, that kind of ratio of foreigners, yeah, shit, fine, stare. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing, alright? The bad thing, everybody knows you, you're basically a celebrity, okay? Which could be good, okay, but you gotta be really fucking careful, okay? Um, it can wear on you. I mean, if you're gonna get drunk in public, or... <laughs> If you're going to be drunk, you know what, I have a good story about this. A friend of mine got drunk, and he like he literally like passed out on the street, and he was vomiting. And the students walked by and saw him, and it was like all over. It was practically front page news the next day. So you got to be careful with that kind of shit. The other funny thing is I was at the video store, and I was like, I saw the porno section, you know, with the, the curtains. And I was like, shit, man, I want to check out what the Japanese porno is like, you know, with the... What's, it's kind of a cultural experience, you know? What's like the what's the deal with like the Japanese porno, you know, section in the video store? You know, I, I I've been to plenty of them in the U.S., but and I was like, no, no, Dave, you better not, because sure enough, a student is gonna see me go in there, or worse yet, a student will already be in there when I come in. I'm like, hey, Takashi, Yoko, how's it going? Just looking at some pornos. No, I just didn't do it. That's what the internet's for, you know. Be careful. Um, it can it can wear on you. But um, the good thing is, like I said, you're a celebrity. Uh, I'd sometimes uh, my coworker and I would sometimes get just get free drinks, you know, like on the house. Um, the service in Japan is already excellent, and when you're a foreigner, especially way out in the countryside, often it's even better uh, because they're like, oh hey. Especially if they speak some English, you know, they want to practice. Don't expect much English, um, by the way. But that's why you study Japanese, because out in the countryside, a little tiny bit of Japanese goes a long way. I have a good example. I went to Jusko, which is basically Japan's version of Walmart. I think it's called Eon now, which is so confusing. Anyways, I went there, and I was looking for something. And I admit, sometimes I just took advantage of this. I would just say sumimasen, excuse me. A simple sumimasen would get me like three people around me, and they would just do the shopping for me. I would just show them the list, and they would be like running around getting everything for me, practically. Because they do not expect white boy like me to speak a word of Japanese. And when I busted out just a simple sumimasen, it got me like unbelievable service. So in that sense, yeah. It's a good thing. It could be a very good thing. 
Um, but be careful. Like I said, everybody knows you. Students would say to me on um, on Tuesday, starting class, hey, I saw you at such and such. I saw you at this restaurant. And it's kind of creepy, actually, because it's like, they're not stalking you, but they're just like, yeah, I saw you. You know, you didn't see them at all because <laughs> they're blending in. They blend in. You don't blend in at all. It's like, yeah, I saw you. And uh, I remember one student was like, yeah, I saw him with a girl. And he was like telling my boss. And my boss knew, you know, I was going out with a girl and everything. So she was she was fine with it. But it's kind of creepy, you know, like a student will tell your boss, like, yeah, I saw him. He was on a date. He was holding hands with a girl or something. Something's going on. So just be careful. Um, I, I, another good example, I go to the post office, you know, like, hey, <laughs> like the, you know, old, old Bob down at the post office knows you. So it's that small town feeling, but you're also kind of a celebrity. You know, you're a, you're a big fish in a small pond. So be careful. Be careful. That's the advice I can give you. Um, in my free time, let's talk about this. Now, Eon gave me a, uh, the weekend at Eon was Sunday and Monday, which really sucked because I had to work Saturday. And that was actually the busiest day, which if you're not mentally prepared for it, really sucks because Saturday for so many years was just, you know, kick back and relax, sleep in. Um, but luckily the schedule at Eon is not very strenuous. I mean, you, you got to remember they're recruiting basically people fresh out of college usually, and it's, it's not a really high responsibility job. Um, so, uh, luckily the free time was awesome. I mean, class, our first, first class would start at like noon, you know, so every day I could sleep in, which is dangerous, I'll say, because you could really become a fucking loser, you know, sleeping until like 1130 every day. You really feel like you did nothing with your day if you're waking up at 1130 and then you're going to work. So I, I tried to put an effort to get in, uh, to get up a little early, you know, to enjoy some free time even before work. So true, it sucked having the Sunday, Monday weekend sometimes, but it wasn't that strenuous of a work schedule. And I'll get into that in another episode, the whole Eon thing. Now, Toltery being out in the countryside, I was really into the outdoor activities, there's a ton of spans of nature and this beautiful like waterfalls and mountains. And you know what they would call a park is basically what I would consider like a national or state park in the US. And when I just hear the word park, I just think of like a baseball field or something in a city. But when they say park, it's like a <laughs> hundred thousand acres of something of like unspoiled forest, you know, and with trails going through it. So sometimes I'd hop on my bike, bike up to one of my favorite parks was called Ochidani Park, and just go hiking through there. And the funny thing about Japan is they stick vending machines everywhere. So I wouldn't even bring water or anything that you'd normally bring on a hike, because along the hiking trail in the middle of the forest, I would inevitably find uh, a vending machine. <laughs> I'd be in the middle of nowhere, and there's just a vending machine there. Which was kind of funny. It's kind of sad because, you know, you're spoiling, you're spoiling, kind of spoiling the scenery, you know, the environment and everything with a, a, you know, an ugly vending machine right there. But it was convenient. You get like water right in the middle of nowhere. I didn't even have to carry anything. And then, of course, Japan, there's like a, a convenient little trash can right next to it. <laughs> so, outdoor activities. If you're going to live in the countryside, I highly recommend them. 
it's it's like you know moving to Idaho, moving to you know moving to Wyoming. You know, it's it's the areas of the country that have this unspoiled nature, and Tolteri had plenty of it. Um, even in in June, they had this uh, the same park, Ochinani Park had um, had uh, fireflies, which was really cool. I had never seen them before, and they're like green, and they're just sort of hovering around everywhere. It's it's like it's spiritual, man. It's really cool. And if you're gonna experience Japan, I can't I can't stress this point enough. Is that's really a huge advantage of the countryside is that unspoiled nature. Um, another thing I love doing was snowboarding. Now, Tolteri had a shitload of snow, and I'm from L.A., so you know L.A. California boy doesn't know how to had been in snow. I'd been in snow before, of course, snowboarding. But when I go back home to L.A., there's no snow, so I never had to live with snow which could really be a pain in the ass. So, snow, okay, fine. That Living with snow, it's the same everywhere. There's nothing really Japanese about that, so I won't get too much into that. But uh, point, point, the point is, there's a ton of snowboarding, and it was so close. Even though I didn't have a car, there was a bus, uh, or even a train ride, that would take me to uh, a, a ski resort. And this was the huge advantage of the Sunday money, Monday Sunday money. Sunday Monday weekend was Monday in the countryside in Japan is fucking awesome. There I mean there's no crowd anyway on the weekend, but when you make it Monday morning, there's nothing going on. So I go snowboarding. I even bought a board, which in a way I regret because I could have just rented one and saved myself the trouble, but I bought a board used and on Monday mornings during the winter, I would just head out to the ski resort. And it was funny, the first time I went, um, I took the train. And the train just dropped me off at the station with this little town around it. And I had to figure out, There's I read the guide, and there's like a shuttle that stops in front of the station and will take me straight to the uh, resort, okay? And I'm like, I get off at the station on Monday morning... And there's just nobody around. It's just this abandoned station. I'm like, where the fuck is the shuttle? So I'm looking, and I swear, I find the sign for the shuttle. You know, my limited uh, knowledge of Japanese and kanji. I'm like, okay, I think this is the shuttle. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule, and I'm like, okay, actually, it should be here in about in about 15 minutes. 10 minutes goes by, and I don't see a soul. And I'm like, okay, I still got another five minutes. A truck pulls up, an old guy in a truck, like a pickup truck. Um, and, uh, he pulls up to me, and he's like, he says in, like, really broken, like, really old man, guttural Japanese, like, uh, you, you going up to the resort? You know, because he sees me in my, you know, snowboarding gear and, you know, snowboarding hand. It's not hard to figure out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, he says, hop in. And I'm like, is this the shuttle? <laughs> So shit, I'm like, hey, when in Rome, you know, and Japanese are famous for being nice, so I'm like, shuttle or not, let's do it. So I hop in. He's driving me up the, you know, this this icy, icy mountain road up to the sh- up to the uh, up to the resort, and I smell something. I smell liquor, and I'm like, the fuck is that? So I look over. I'm kind of in the back seat, and I look. Um, 
I look at the I look at the guy, and in his drink holder, he's got a can of uh, Chuhai, which is kind of like Bartles and James. It's like a wine cooler sort of thing. And and he's fucking literally drinking and driving at the same time. <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck! And we're driving up this this mountain road, this curvy mountain road. And I'm like, just incredible fear comes over me. I'm like, oh shit. Now, the guy was nice enough, and he's kind of making conversation. But I'm like, oh, fuck, am I going to get up there alive? And I'm sort of just hiding my way through the conversation. Uh, because I don't know what the fuck he's saying. Because he's, he's, he's half drunk. Uh, hopefully, hopefully half drunk. Hopefully half drunk. And uh, he's babbling on about something. I just keep sort of hiding through it. Oh, my God, we finally fucking get up there. Alive. And he's like, hey, give me a call when you're ready to come home, and I'll come and pick you up. And I'm like, yeah. And inside, I'm like, no fucking way am I going to do that. I'm taking the real shuttle, which I see up there, and it looks nothing like a fucking pickup truck. It looks more official, you know, like a real resort shuttle. Thank God. Worth the worth the 25 yen or whatever it was to get up there. So, um, yeah, be careful. <laughs> Japanese are nice, but be sure, uh, you know, hitchhiking up to the ski resort. Ah, I'm alive. I'm alive to tell about it. It's got a good story, but uh, yeah, be careful. Uh, Another thing I did in my free time was uh, the city offered uh, free Japanese lessons, which were which were very, very Japanese, a very Japanese experience. Um, I would show up to this class. I think it was on Saturday or Sun. No, it was definitely on Sunday. It was on Sundays. Uh, which worked out with my schedule. I show up to this class, and I was the only non-Asian, which was kind of a statement about the foreigners in Toltery. I'm sure there were other other uh, Westerners in Toltery. Uh, I just didn't really put much of an effort into to meeting them, uh, because uh, that was not really the point in me moving over there. Anyways, I go to this Japanese class, and there'd be like a table of like the China table, and then it would be like all like young Chinese university students. Totori was a university town. And then another table would be the Filipina housewives, um, uh, chattering away in Tagalog. Uh, And then there'd be like the Thai table, which had maybe like five people, and they were kind of like the Chinese students. They were like university students or or like factory workers or something that were were over there. you know, moved over there, and then there was me, and I'm like, what fucking table do I want to sit at today, it was like, should I do, should I do China, should I do, should I do the friendly, uh, you know, the, the Filipina housewives, um, or should I do the, the Thai, the Thai people, what, what should I do, <laughs> what should I, what should I have today, and the class was great, because everyone was way more fluent than I was, and this class was basically Japanese people, a Japanese class for people who already speak Japanese. <laughs> I'm like, it was literally throw you in the deep end of the pool. Now, fortunately for me, I had a little bit, I had some Japanese under my belt before I had moved, but I had brought, I brought some of my coworker friends and they were not, they were not so lucky. They had zero Japanese and they really struggled in that class. And I think that's probably why it wasn't frequented by the, uh, the Westerners. Because it was a pretty tough-ass class if you had zero Japanese skills. So you really kind of had to know a little bit. 
Um, but the thing is, everyone was really friendly. The Filipino housewives spoke English, of course, and they helped me out. And it was a fun class. We kind of just pick an activity and kind of go with it for the whole whole thing. Um, it was free. So really, I can't complain. Um, for that reason, it was a blast. They even gave us a textbook, you know, and we had little parties and stuff. And it was a great way to meet people, you know, kind of, you know, because I'd run into the teachers, the volunteer teachers there all the time. You're always running into people you know. It's a small town and you stand out. And uh, I loved it. It's really what I consider kind of my glory days in Japan. Uh, it's when I first moved there, and it was very much the Japanese experience. I really look back on on Toltori with a lot of uh, nostalgia. Uh, it was a it was a fantastic experience, and I can't recommend it enough. Um, the the biggest thing I did uh, f- finishing up this this section, the, my what I did in my free time in Toltori. The biggest thing I did was live shows. Now, I was in a band in L.A., which shouldn't come as a surprise, because everyone from L.A. is in a fucking band at some point, uh, like your mom and grandma, too. Uh, and when I moved, you know, I have so much free time when you're an English teacher, because once you get the gist of the teaching deal, you pretty much got it figured out, and the classes begin to repeat, and you pretty much figure it out, you know, and your preparation time... Uh, that you have to put into to preparing for classes goes way down, and you just have a lot of free time on your hands. Um, so I st- I found a, a used guitar, you know, and bought it and just started kind of doing the uh, the playing thing ag- again, like I was in like I did in the band. Uh, this time, I did it as kind of a, a way to study Japanese. I started writing some songs in Japanese, and I wrote one called Chiba Eki which is a Chiba station. It was the first song I wrote. And it was a true story. It was about how the first time I came to Japan, uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, was living in Chiba, uh, in the Chiba area, uh, on the jet program. Um, and we went shopping. And uh, I was always a jackass. I still am. And she was uh, emotional. She's kind of an emotional person, so it was a very bad combination because of uh, I was always fucking around, making jokes, and she was uh, reacting to them in usually negative ways. So um, sometimes we get into fights often because I just be fucking around too much or something. I don't know whose fault is that. So um, long story short, we got we're in a fight, you know, walking back to the station after doing some shopping in Chiba. And I let, you know, she gets her ticket first, and I get my ticket, and I turn around, and she's gone. Now, she um, she was of Korean-American descent, so she kind of blended in with the Asian look. So I was kind of in a shitty mood anyway because of the fight. So I just, I just, I just walked through the turnstile, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to pick a train and go with it. Because I couldn't read, I couldn't read shit, I couldn't read anything. So I'm standing on a, on a random platform I just picked. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to get on the next train. Fuck this. I'm waiting for the train, and on the announcement, you're like, Ah, I know. I know. American boy. American boy. And I'm like, everyone starts looking at me, because I'm the only white boy 
I'm the only American boy in the whole station, practically. Everyone's staring at me. I'm like, oh, shit, I think that's me. And then I hear, like, all this rumbling on the mic. David, um, come to the um, JR station. David, come to the JR station. It's my girlfriend's voice. I'm like, oh, fuck. Walk of shame. I had to walk down to the uh, the JR station, you know, the, the JR office or whatever at the station. And, and my girlfriend was waiting there. She's like, I'm so sorry. We got separated. I'm like, yeah, we got separated. You fucking ditched me. Anyways, wrote a song about it. Years and years later, wrote a song about it called Chiba Eki. And I played it at one of the Eon parties. Uh, our school put on a lot of, um, like a Halloween party was our big one. We usually did because it's a very American thing to do, uh, a very Western thing to do, Halloween. And I played it. Um, and the students loved it, and they said, dude, you should play that at the uh, live house, you know, Tolteri's one live house, which was called After Hours, so I check out After Hours, and it's a, it's a pretty cool place, they got, like, jazz, they got a house band, uh, that's real good, kick-ass band, they got this guy working there, uh, chef named Poncho, which I thought added a lot of attitude, a lot of personality to that place, he looked like a big Mexican <laughs> guy, but he was Japanese, big fat, big fat Mexican guy is really what he looked like, but he's a Japanese dude, and the best fucking cook ever, made some kick-ass tacos, best tacos you ever have, all my friends did the same thing, anyways, he was the lead singer of the house band, so after the, uh, after I'm watching them play, and they're, they kick ass, seriously, they're singing in English. I can't understand a fucking word Poncho's saying, but dude, their their energy and everything was awesome. There's something random I just did not expect to find in the countryside, and the countryside Toltori was always full of surprises like that, which made it so much the better. Anyway, so I'm saying, hey, can I play some time? You know, and I was really into recording as well. You know, this podcast should should be a testament to that. So I already had like a demo made, and I gave him a CD. And he's, like, looking at it. He doesn't even listen to it yet. And he's like, oh, fuck yeah, you gotta play. You know, because foreigner singing in Japanese... I told him I sing in Japanese. Uh, a foreigner performing in the countryside, let alone in Japanese, is is so rare. I, the, I, in all my years in Toltori, I never saw another one like me, another person like me. So, yeah, they let me play. And it was a blast. Because in L.A., no one gives a shit. Because you're singing in English, and we were singing, like, serious, you know, songs. Oh, broken heart, blah, blah, blah. No one gives a shit. In, uh, in Toltori, uh, white dudes singing in Japanese. Now, that's weird enough. But I decided to make the songs funny. Because my Japanese was shitty. Still is. And I'm like, dude, if I do a serious song, it's gonna get fucked up. I'm gonna fuck this up. So let's do funny songs, because my shitty Japanese will make it even funnier, and then also, I'll know if I succeeded or not, because with comedy, everyone's laughing, and it's so easy to tell, you did a good job, because everyone's laughing. With a serious song, you have no clue how well you did, everyone's just sitting there. So, I just play like three songs, and it's a blast. People are laughing, coming up to me, shaking my hand, taking pictures. I feel like a fucking rock star. I loved it. I love that feeling. I never, ever could get that in L.A. You know, I'm a fucking rock star here. So I, I did like a show or two. A guy comes to me and says like, hey, um, 
I want to do a story about you in the newspaper. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't a guy. It was a, it was a female student. A student of mine was a reporter uh, for the local newspaper. And she does a story about me playing the songs in Japanese. Okay. Then um, another newspaper contacts me and does a similar story about me. And I'm like in the newspaper twice all of a sudden. You know, and people are saying like, dude, you're like famous. You're in the newspaper. And I'm fucking loving it. You cannot get enough of that. So be careful. The, uh, the countryside will really make you have a big head. If you want attention, you will get it. If you're an attention fiend like me, you will get attention. And you will just, you'll just get addicted to it. It was awesome. So I decide, I decide to take the show on the road. Hitting the road. And I'm working on recording a CD, you know, because this is so much fun. This is this is like most of my free time at this point. I'm heading to Osaka, and I'm I see all these street musicians playing, like on bridges, just like out on the street. You know, no permit required or anything. You know, they're just the whole fucking band is up there, you know, on this bridge or something. So I'm like, I grab my guitar one weekend, head out to Osaka, and I'm playing. You know, unfortunately, I could barely be heard because there's, like, full bands playing, like, nearby me. But people are crowding around me because I'm singing these funny songs in Japanese. And some girls uh, come up to me and they say, hey, you should play at the live house in Osaka. So I sign up there, I get a show, and just all these doors are opening because I'm just, I just stand out like that. I'm, like, the only white boy singing funny songs in Japanese. And I cannot get enough of that. So I'm playing shows in Osaka, you know, getting bigger, bigger shows. You know, it wasn't like packed with people or anything, but the enthusiasm of the crowd was just feeding me because it was people you didn't know. I, I did not know these people, and they're like clapping and cheering and coming up to me and taking pictures after the show. So God, I loved it. So awesome. And uh, two of my best friends came out and visited me. We're like, shit, we got to do a show. One of them was uh, was in the band with me back uh, in my L.A. days, in college days. Uh, he was the guitarist, lead guitarist. We're like, dude, we got to put together a show. We do a live show at, at After Hours, and he totally knows, he totally feels what I had been talking about and telling him about for months. He's like, man, that's really cool. Everybody's just really into you, you know? You know, and it was a it was a blast of experience, experience, you know, and you couldn't really top that, you know, how many how many foreigners could say, you know, hey, I played in in countryside Japan in Japanese, you know, and everyone and I just brought the I brought the house down house band goes on after our show. They invite, you know, the guitarist Mike, my my best friend to come up there and solo, you know, I got video of it, he's like soloing in front of everybody, you know, we had a bunch of college kids there that night or something from the university and, you know, cheering us on, it was a blast, we could never, ever get that in LA, I mean, we would have to have a record deal and promotions galore to get that kind of, um, that kind of atmosphere at one of our shows, in LA, we had to beg people to come, mom, please come to my show, it's Wednesday at 11 p.m., that's the kind of shit you get. But in, in countryside Japan, man, you could play, I could play anytime. Um, Friday night at eight, you know, <laughs> at the one, at the one live house. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the, that pretty much wraps up my nostalgic session. So, hey, 
I love to hear from you. You know, if you lived in the countryside, if you're you're thinking about coming here, um, let me know your experiences. You know, um, I'm sure everyone has a story to tell that that's you know that's lived out in the countryside. The teaching English in the countryside. Uh, there's plenty of people that done it that have done it, and uh, it really uh, nothing comes close, man. So, all right, talk to you guys later. Bye. Network. For more shows, visit comedypodcastnetwork.com.